When I was a little girl, I believed in fairy tales. I wished my toys would come to life and that my stories could be real. Then through all the noise and confusion, I believed it was all an illusion. The world had faded black and white, nothing seemed to be right. But now I know that how it goes is that my dreams never die. As long as I keep the magic inside me alive, do you believe in magic? Stories are written, read, and disappear, probably hidden on some dusty bookshelf, often forgotten and never retold. This tale is different because it stays in the heart of all who hear it. The memory continues, eagerly waiting to be shared with the next generation. Take a peek, sit back, relax, open your mind, journey into the world of the gulp of waters and slurp it downs. You'll never be the same again. In the fifth episode, Joe walked through the bush with the creatures and met two gnomes called In and Sight. Joe had a huge fright in the village, panicked and ran through the bush, fell and lost consciousness. Joe ended up in hospital, shaken and bruised. In the middle of the night, Joe heard a loud crash. Bedpans went flying in all directions. The medication she had been given made her very sleepy. The crash jolted her to attention. Iki climbed onto Joe's bed. Unsure if it was still an illusion, Joe ignored her. Wake up! Wake up! It's me, Iki! Joe's eyes opened, and finally she acknowledged that it really was her little friend. Iki pulled out a green bottle with some snot glue. She started to pat it on Joe's head and sung to her in beautiful tones. The girl's face began to change different colours and before long, she was as good as new. Iki lay beside her and held her hand. It was not long before she too was fast asleep. In the morning, Joe woke and felt fantastic. There was no pain and the scar had completely disappeared. How was she going to explain this to the doctors? Something told her that they would not be surprised at all. Joe was still worried that her mind was playing tricks on her. When she looked at the gulp of waters and slurped downs, they appeared human, and when she looked at humans, they transformed into creatures. Scared that at any moment somebody would come to check on her, she lay low in bed with the covers up to her eyes. There was a knock at the door. In came the tea lady. Joe peeked over the top of the sheets. Was she going to be a creature or a human? Slowly peeping, she let out her breath. 
when the visitor looked just like a tea lady. Oh, maybe I've got back to normal. She had always been worried about Iki being exposed, hiding her from her mother and brother, but the tea lady didn't seem to notice. After the tea lady left, Joe asked Iki how come she couldn't see her. She can't see me because she has not grown in awareness. People can only see me if they are open to believe. Her mum and aunt arrived at the hospital to take her home. With a look of urgency on her face, Aunt Pepper seemed to dance back and forth on her feet. When Joe's mother left the room to fill out paperwork, Aunt Pepper, keen to sort things out, explained that only half the glue was ready. They needed much more to heal the burnt creatures and mend the bush. The firebug had continued lighting small fires and the need to catch him or her was sending all the creatures into a spin. That afternoon, when everybody was home, Joe's mother and aunt had a chat about Joe. They decided that she should not venture into the bush alone. I'm worried that next time she could be seriously hurt. Aunt Pepper agreed, so Joe was banned from the bush unless she had someone with her. An expression of shock and dismay appeared on Joe's face. Was she hearing clearly? It didn't seem right. Aunt Pepper agreeing with her sister? It just was not fair. It was the school holidays and all Joe wanted was to spend time with the creatures. All day, the conversation Joe had heard between her mother and aunt haunted her and she just had to approach Aunt Pepper for answers. She'd never, in her short life, known the two sisters to agree on anything. It all seemed peculiar. Eventually, Joe managed to pin her aunt down away from her mother. Your mother's got a lot of influence, you know. We don't need you wandering round the bush when there could be danger in your path. But don't worry, Joe. I didn't say you couldn't come into the bush with me, did I? Aunt Pepper winked at her niece with a cheeky expression. Looks like she had plans and everything would be okay. Mum just doesn't have a clue. When her aunt tucked her into bed, Joe asked her if Iki had arrived home safely. The last time she'd seen her was in the hospital, but as usual, Iki just disappeared. Aunt Pepper smiled and they talked about the village and how lucky Joe was to have little Iki as a friend. Somebody to grow up with, I think. Aunt Pepper had the most wonderful voice and sang Joe to sleep. The song was so beautiful and Joe did not take long to fall fast asleep. In the blink of an eye, Aunt Pepper travelled herself back to the village. She knew that she would have to return to collect her niece. Nevertheless, there was so much work to be done. The holidays usually involved Joe sitting in her beloved charity, dreaming the days away. Of course, it had all started badly, and Joe was starting to get a little cranky. Next door was a very old house. In fact, it was where Simon lived. The house had been built over 100 years ago and had stood up to floods, fire and those pesky termites. It had all the traits of an old settler's cottage with an old-fashioned outdoor dunny. Yes, the dunny house seemed to amuse Joe. 
I can't imagine how cold it would be to go outside to the toilet. In winter, it must be very breezy around your knees. The dunny had a huge passion fruit vine growing all over the outside. When the fruit was ripe, the neighbours in the street were invited to help pick them all. It was the same with the apricot trees in the garden. A big barbecue would be put on and everybody would come along and pick, eat and drink their way through the day. It was all in the name of preparing to make jam and yummy pies for the church fete. It was Saturday morning, not a very remarkable day, and Joe's mother announced that they were all going next door for the annual picking. Oh, great. Just what I wanted. To pick stupid fruit, talk to boring neighbours, and yet again, waste another day. Oh, don't be grumpy. Simon will probably be there, and you haven't seen him for ages. Well, that's because his parents put him in a private school in Brisbane. Can't think what was wrong with our school. Wondered why I hadn't seen her around, but of course Melissa knew all about it. Typical. She seems to get all the gossip and to think that I lived next door to him and I didn't know. The fact that Simon had tried to tell her the day he helped save Charity from the middle of the creek didn't even penetrate her brain. Just as Joe was starting to get upset with the thought of another day away from the bush, Geoffrey walked in. Hi everyone. What's this about going next door? Mum wants us to pick fruit, can you believe it? Even when it's 100 degrees in the shade? What if I take the blow-up pool? You can splash away all you want and cool down. Mum, I'm nearly 10 and the pool is for babies. How embarrassing. I don't care, Mum. It would be okay splashing about. That means I don't have to do any picking. You're a big lazy poop, Jeff. Don't you care that your feet would hang out and it would only fit your big fat bum? I'm not the one with the fat bum and I don't care if it gets me out of work. With that, Geoffrey turned away from Joe and showed his bare bottom. I'll put that away, you feral rat bag. Geoffrey, stop that for heaven's sake and try to behave. I'm not going. You can't make me. It's not fair. I would rather go to Melissa's house. They never go. Melissa doesn't have to suffer the street party. Oh, well, for peace and quiet, I suppose it would be okay, as long as Melissa's mum doesn't mind. Doreen can get overstressed with juggling work and everything, and you know Melissa's had a bad case of chicken pox. I think she's nearly over it, though. Remember, her mother has nerves, you know. I really don't care about Melissa's mother's nerves. I just don't want to go next door. Anyhow, Simon is a big pain in the butt for not keeping in touch. Joe was starting to act like a slurp at Downs, with a terrifying grumpy attitude. She went to the kitchen to call Melissa, but unfortunately, the phone just kept on ringing. Damn it! Blast it! Looks like I'll have to go next door after all. When they went next door, most of the neighbours were busy picking the fruit. They had large bags full, and Joe noticed how most ate more than they were putting into the bags. Hope they all get bellyache. Is that a girl in a very bad mood, I think? Better not wish bellyache on everybody. May end up with one herself. Eki, what are you doing here? It's bad enough I have to waste my time. You could be in the bush having fun. Just wait, Joe. I've something to show you soon. A little comedy to brighten up your day. Joe was not sure what Eki was thinking. It sounded mischievous. Sure enough, within minutes the toilet pan collector arrived to collect the full pan. 
he opened the door and reached in and put the toilet pan on top of his head to carry it to the truck. All of a sudden there was a loud crash as the bottom fell out of the pan. Poop covered the poor man and he stood shaking and stinking. Everybody turned and laughed at such a sight. Simon's dad ran and grabbed the hose to clean him off. (laughs) Yes, now we can call him Lavender Joe. (laughs) Oh gosh, he stinks. And it's definitely not Lavender. Eeky, did you do that? Maybe. Sort of. Could have. (laughs) This of course stopped the whole day in its tracks. Everybody deserted the fruit picking, holding his or her noses. Simon's parrot was hanging on the clothesline and in a loud voice squawked, God bless you all. That completely totaled Joe and Eeky out and together they rolled on the grass laughing hysterically, of course out of everybody's view. The day would be one to remember. What a very naughty, eeky slurper downs. Joe didn't care. It was so funny. When Joe got home, her mother was still shaking her head at the incident. Oh, don't make toilet pans like they used to. Goodness knows how that poor man's wife will get the stink out of his clothes. Mum, it's just as well he had his mouth closed. Mum, didn't see Simon anywhere today. Do you know where he is? I don't know. Maybe he was lucky enough to go to his grandparents. That would be right. Jo knew that soon her mother would be asking her what she would like to do for her birthday. With previous birthdays, Jo would announce nothing. But this year, it was different. Ten seemed to be so grown up. In fact, Jo felt it was the key to being accepted. Most times, her opinion was ignored. But now she assumed that her ideas about stuff would be taken seriously. Her birthday was always in the school holidays and that made it difficult for most of the kids in her class to attend any party. Every year it seemed that most of the kids' parents had arranged great and exciting holidays away. Jo would feel grumpy because they couldn't go away. Her mum had to work or look after Melissa It didn't seem fair. Nevertheless, Jo always sucked it in and didn't let her mum know how she felt. It wouldn't be right, and after all, they had Christmas together. Jo's intuition was spot on, as the next morning her mother asked her the question. Jo, what would you like to do this year for your birthday? And don't say nothing. Why don't you have a sleepover? Melissa is well over her chicken pox, I think. And I'm sure not everybody in your class has gone away. In fact, there would be some of the girls left to celebrate your 10th birthday. Could you put up with a few girls overnight? I mean, you usually worry about getting enough sleep. Well, if it's on a Friday or a Saturday, I don't have to work the next day. Now that you will soon be double figures, you're almost grown up. Did she just say what I thought she said? I'm almost grown up? Goodness, what a difference a year makes. Okay, Mum, that sounds great. I'll figure out who to invite and get back to you. Joe's mum laughed and continued with making breakfast. Geoffrey, on the other hand, was gleeful at thinking what kind of mischief he could inflict on all the girls. 
teasing girls was his specialty, especially his big sister. Yes, this would be a night to remember. After breakfast, Joe wandered down to charity. This was the best place to think about her party. A sleepover, that's great! Never would have thought about one of those. Sitting in the old boat, Joe started to write down a party list. First the guests, and then everything she needed to get to make it fantastic. Let's see. I'll invite Melissa, Sky, Olivia and Kara, and, and of course it's me. That's enough. I'm not inviting Zoe. She always picks on me. I need balloons and heaps of things to eat and paper plates and there's no washing up. You need stuff for Iki. Iki, hi. I'm making a list for my birthday party. Some of my school friends will be invited. Iki slurped dance too? Oh gosh, I can't invite you. Nobody's allowed to see you. Don't care. I'm your best friend and I am going so there. She stamped her feet and jumped up and down and then she took off. Great. Now I'm in trouble with a very cranky slurp it downs. Just what I needed. Goodness, what's going to happen now? Hopefully nobody will see her. You have to be open to see the creatures. And I don't think my friends are up to that stage yet. At least I hope not. Otherwise I will have a lot of explaining to do. I feel a little guilty for using all this paper. It's my 10th birthday and it's not like I'm using heaps. There will still be lots of trees after I've only used a few pieces. Still... In the back of her mind, she worried about Iki causing a riot and her friends discovering her secret. She wasn't ready to tell everybody about something not yet discovered. Iki, on the other hand, was cranky and full of rage. She arrived back in the village with steam coming out of her ears. Not fair at all. Smelly girl doesn't want me at her party. I'm her very best friend. I'm going and that's that. Nobody will see me and all her friends are stupid. Iki, what are you carrying on about? Joe is going to have a birthday party and she said I can't go. Well, you have to respect her wishes. Maybe it's only for human friends. You can celebrate here with all the other creatures later on. Iki was definitely not happy with her mother's remarks and stormed into her room, slamming the door. That went well. Joe walked along the road, invitations in her red-hot hands. She was so excited at the thought of having all of her friends stay over, especially as it was the first time. She would deliver them personally, so there was no problem. Lots of the mailboxes had been burnt in the fire so it was one way to make sure all her friends actually got the mail. Everybody has a week to reply, so no excuses not to get back to me. Everything was in order, and Joe soon forgot about Iki. After a few days, some replies came in. Melissa was to come, Beth was away, and so were Kara and Skye, but Olivia could come. Damn, that only means two plus me. It's not fair. I hate having my birthday in the holidays. Don't worry, sis. I'll be there, and that's all you need. Oh, no, you're not. It's girls only. No smarty pants brothers causing trouble. Jeff laughed. This was going to be a hoot. Didn't matter how many girls were coming. He was going to have a great time. He ran next door to see if his friend Ted had any ideas on how to tease the girls. Together, the boys would have a whale of a time. 
They just had to work out the details of their teasing. The thought of upsetting a group of girls was all their dreams coming true at once. Joe's mother explained that it didn't matter how many were coming. Oh, you'll still have a great time. How's about pizza and chips, lemonade and an ice cream birthday cake? We can have a video or two and you can all sleep in the lounge downstairs. Look, I promise to keep Jeffrey away. In fact, I think I'll arrange for him to stay at Ted's for the night. Joe was so relieved as she had forgotten about Jeffrey. He could cause heaps of trouble. You have just been listening to the Mysteries of Cork Upper Ripple Creek audio tales, based on the children's books of the same title by Australian author Susan Pease. To find out more about these stories, or to purchase hard copies, please visit susanpease.com. S-U-S-A-N hyphen P-E-A-S-E dot com. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you do not miss out on the next exciting instalment of the Mysteries of Cork Upper Ripple Creek.